Welcome to the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, myself and Chris had the opportunity to talk to Matt from I Am They. I think you are going to super enjoy this conversation. It's really neat to just talk about faithfully serving. It's cool to hear how they're doing touring and how they're doing ministry in 2020. And we had a lot of time to just talk about what does church and worship ministry look like in 2020. And, and now we're moving into 2021. So hope you enjoy this episode. Let's go. Cool, man. Yeah, we're, uh, so yeah, we're, we're, I guess we just released the full record, our brand new record, Faithful God. Um, our title song, uh, title track song is out. That's kind of the song on radio right now. And um, it's been, it's been thrilling, man, just to like one release music. Um, we've been out on the road a little bit. Thank God. Um, it's been a crazy year. Obviously everything, all our tours got pulled out from us like early in the year. Yeah. We were on a headline tour when all that happened. Um, but yeah, we just kind of decided to make the most of what we had this year. And we went into the studio, tracked this new record. We've been doing some online shows, um, that sort of thing. And then, yeah, right now we've been just digging into this new record. We've been doing a whole bunch of content for it, some acoustic versions of songs, um, some story behind the song type deals. And, uh, things like that so yeah and a bunch of this you know, hanging sure. out with people talking to people, getting it out so yeah I'd, I'd love to hear you kind of touched on something that i think is like really important for music now in 2020 like you're making acoustic versions and like different kind of content around it could you kind of just speak a little bit to yeah it's not just about putting the song out on spotify and itunes at this point right like so what what did what have you guys yeah. like what's your guys strategy <laughs> bit of creativity out of all of us right? right yeah i feel like our, our we've been saying like we i think we've all been working harder than ever you know just to maybe for the least amount of money or you know you know you don't see all of the fruit you know of it right up front um but i think it's really good in that regard just to kind of like get our heads in the game like it really just like I said just kind of I guess squeezes that sponge like every last bit of creativity of um, meaning and really I guess pulls you deeper into what you're doing and why you're doing it and so yeah we've just been um, we've been doing some things we've never done before like online shows and uh, that sort of thing that was something we had not experimented with prior um thankfully we had somebody in our corner um abby parker who um, is another vocalist in the band she's married to a guy named derek webb who's been in the music world for a while um and he's been doing online shows for years and so he was literally like guys let me show you how to do this and so we'd go over to abby's house set up in her living room and uh invite people in from all around the world and do shows there and it was really cool because we got the opportunity to hang out with people in kind of a new setting in a new way um talk to each other interact with people whereas at a regular show we never we never did that we never you know really ex got to experience that right in the middle of the show so um it's been fun yeah just digging in creatively and sharing i guess different creative sides of ourselves as well so can you share your story as like how you guys started as a band and, and how you got from that point to this point now? 
or actually to pre-COVID, yeah. how you got to the pre-COVID point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, back in 2008, we started um, and it was one night of worship. And uh, literally that was all that we ever intended it to be. We didn't know we were gonna be, uh, uh, we didn't even know we were gonna be a worship team, let alone a band. Like we didn't have a name for our, our, our band or for the night. It was just kind of like this one night of worship it was Halloween night, um, so literally, like, we're right around the corner of our, our anniversary date of, like, the start of I Am They, essentially, but uh, that worship night just started to grow. There was a bunch of people that turned up, and um, we just asked everybody there, like, do we want to keep doing this? Are you guys into this? It was a small community. It was out in Carson City, Nevada, um, really dry, spiritually speaking, um, just not a lot going on, and we were, like, you know, me and a friend of mine, we were just really passionate about finding like the, the latest worship songs, you know, the songs that hadn't come out yet or were just about to drop that we thought were going to be real big for the church or that sort of thing. And so we'd find our favorite worship tunes and we'd pull them together for this night of worship. And then fast forward, we had the opportunity to open for Matthew West. And that was like our first kind of offer for a, a quote unquote gig. And uh, we were like, man, we better get a band name and like a, some songs together. So that was really when we kind of dug into writing worship songs and songs for the church ourselves. And uh, we had that first show together and Matthew was super just supportive and encouraging. And um, that kind of, again, it just kind of, there was this snowball effect through the, a course of several years but we won this battle of the bands type deal at a festival in California. And that sent us to Nashville. Our prize was like going to Nashville, but we also had to like raise our own money to get to Nashville. So it was like, a, like, this is a prize. We have to pay our own way to Nashville. And uh, so we worked with the producer there and um, that producer, um, we had the opportunity of tracking one song with him, but that producer loved the song. And he said, can I send this? to some friends of mine and his friends ended up being the five major record labels in Nashville, which was crazy. Uh, and then we had all these calls from like five different record labels that week to come in to meet with their VPs, their heads of A&R um, and share our songs, share our heart. And they were, you know, they just, have us play another song, play another song, you know, and we're just like shaking in our boots, terrified, didn't know what we were doing. Uh, but that landed us some opportunities with record labels and eventually had a couple offers come in. We tracked a record, uh, or we signed with uh, Provident, our record label back in 2015. And, uh, or yeah, 2014, we tracked a record we started touring in 2015 and then man it's just been like a wild wild crazy adventure of a ride like ever since again not knowing really what we're doing hanging on to god you know just his hand and allowing him to open doors before us and um, trying to be faithful really the same way that we were you know trying to be faithful with the opportunity that he put in front of us to lead worship you know for one night in our small town so um, yeah, since then, there's been some, uh, you know, lineup changes, 
Um, we've been on this tour and the other tour with, you know, some, some bands that honestly were and artists that were heroes of ours. Um, so it's just been really crazy. Um, and we feel very fortunate and blessed to just be doing what we're doing at all, man. I, I, all of us had regular daytime jobs, you know, before this, I worked in a cubicle for 10 plus years doing Excel sheets and, uh, I worked for the state of Nevada and, um, yeah, it was just not what I anticipated or expected at all. Never thought I'd be doing music at all. <laughs> so, Who's that producer? Uh, his name is Billy Smiley. And what is really funny is we just tracked this record, Faithful God, and the place that we did it, it's called Full Circle Music. And their studio is in Franklin, Tennessee. Little did we know that Billy smiley has a room in that same studio so we were there tracking our you know this new record and one day i was leaving the studio and i walk into the hallway and boom i'm face to face with billy smiley the very first producer we'd ever worked with and i'm like billy what are you doing here and he's like my room is right there and we're like what so it was just um this record has been you know i said the the people that we worked with producing this record is called Full Circle. There again, it's just really ironic and crazy that God has brought us Full Circle in a lot of different ways with this record, so. Yeah, so is, is Seth, was Seth the producer on that record, on this record? Yeah, Seth and X both kind of co-produced it together, so yeah. That's cool. Yeah, have you had Seth or have you, have you guys talked with, with Seth before? Um, some of the artists that I've played for have, have worked with Seth, like between Seth and the Cash Brothers. And Amazing. Yeah. And Man, uh, they're great guys. Seth is part of our church. Video stuff, so. Cool, cool. That's awesome, man. So, so that got us at, like, talk about this album. When did you guys decide uh, to jump into it? You said, like, COVID hit. Like, did that do a dramatic shift for what you guys were doing? A little bit. I mean, we didn't know what the timeline was going to be, um, yeah. you know, and that kind of definitely uh, pushed us in a direction. So <laughs> we had we had songs. We had a number of songs. Um, I think like, uh, you know, not a gajillion. I, people like John Foreman, you know, I think go into every record with about 700 songs. We had probably 30 to 40 songs, you know, um, that we were passionate about and uh, I think all these songs just really started to come to surface and uh, yeah. really before COVID hit we were just I feel like we were firing on every cylinder just as a band we just felt like everybody was gung-ho we all had kind of pulled together this unity and this transparency in the band that just felt unique and uh you know, we are just in a better place than we've ever been as a band. Yeah. And so we were super excited about the year. We had a super heavy, heavily booked year, um, all of that. And so it was uh, a lot of these songs that we were writing or that we wrote even in the beginning part of this year were very enthusiastic, very celebratory, very um, had that kind of energy. So, yeah. So that, I mean, that, that probably resonates with a lot of our listeners. Like I can think of, 
probably a dozen churches that decided that 2020 was the year of vision and we were hitting this incredible stride and everybody's just doing awesome stuff and it's so great. Um, maybe give a little bit of encouragement. Like you said, it was all that good. There had to be some sort of disappointment in the midst of that. And I'm sure now that we're this far into it, you got to see some of what God's done with it. Maybe speak to somebody who still might be in that, man, we're not even close to getting back to whatever I thought normal was supposed to be at my church. Maybe talk to them a little bit. Absolutely, man. Um, that's so, so profound. And I, I feel like as, as kind of point blank, blank as you would think it would be for us to see that, uh, uh, you know, I don't think we're all, we're all recognizing that, but we might be on the, on the cusp of, of starting to recognize the beauty in, in this past year, you know? Um, yeah. I think, like you said, 2020 vision was definitely, <laughs> that was my church too, man. We, we had going in like, <laughs> yeah, let's go. And uh, I posted like this Instagram, I, I found like this filter where the eyeballs were like swirling around in your brain. And I reposted like 2020 vision after COVID hit. Cause that's what it feels like now is just like, <laughs> none, of, none of us had it on lock, but you know what? Um, just some of these truths and some of the scriptures that we lean into, you know, like the most, uh, some of the ones that we talk about the most, which is like, uh, you know, he's going to turn all things, to, he's going to work all, all things together for good. And, and for those who are called. And I, I just think that we, um, we're, we're realizing that in a real way. We're not saying it, but we're, we're living it now. And we're talking about as a church right now. I, and I think a lot of people are going, even in this, like, today are probably looking to 2021 as like the let's get there let's forget about 2020 and everybody's trying to push all, all of 2020 behind them sure and i i just i'm trying to remind people that god like 2020 wasn't a wash it wasn't a flush it's not something that god like didn't work in or god disappeared um like he was working through all of that and we got to recognize it and uh, get on board with it and join, you know, join his purpose and his will, recognize his will in it and, you know, get on board. Um, because I think that he was preparing us um, for something, you know, maybe in 2021 or maybe it's tomorrow, you know, but like when it's hard, that's oftentimes a preparatory season for us. We were just talking about the story of Joseph in scripture where, you know, he gets sold into slavery by his brothers or, you know, there's so many different things along the journey for him where he could have just gone like, God has deserted me. Where is God? It's over for me. Uh, you know, all of this where God was always right on time in everything he did in his story. He had not deserted him. And Joseph trusted that and lean in, leaned into that and recognized that God was still at work, even in those times where, he, you know, from the natural, it looked like God had deserted him. So, yeah, I would just encourage everyone to not only recognize that, yes, God may have a more beautiful season coming, but just look at and try to find the beauty in the, in the current, you know, in the, in the current season. Um, and what God is doing and preparing in us, both individually and collectively as the church, right now. 
You mentioned trying to find like the beauty, like uh, do you have any things that, that this whole pandemic and COVID has, has shifted in your life that you're maybe like, I kind of like this. I kind of like, I don't know if I want to go back. I mean, I know I have a few, a few things, but do you have any of those? I mean, I'm home right now, man. I, you know, if anybody that knows me is like, I'm, I'm a homebody. I'm like the nine on the Enneagram, just like, keep me at home in my comfortable space. Like, I'd love to just hang with my family, um, be with my kids. I have two kids here at home. Um, work on my house, work on my, you know, build something. Like, that's who I am. That's what I do. I love being outdoors. Like I get, I've, I've had so much more of that. Like being in church, um, I've, I've just had a lot more time um, to, to just be with my family and be plugged into church. And I adore that, man, I love that. So personally, um, I just love the space. Um, it's been challenging for sure. I mean, financially, but I also, uh, you know, my wife would say, because my wife isn't like this, but I'm very much like chill, like, hey, God is always taking care of me. Even as I told you the, the story of our band, man, I didn't plan that. I wasn't like the guy like pushing down the door or like, we're going to go make this happen or we're going to be the next big whatever. Like God has always opened a door before me. And I just believe so much in that scripture. Matthew 6.33 has been like my life verse, just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and allow him to provide everything that you need. Everything else is taken care of. So, um, yeah, I, I, he's, he's, he has been all of our needs and more for this year. Um, and then also along with that has given me the ability to rest, to reset, to recalibrate, to, um, be with him, just his presence, lean into his presence more. You know, I just, we'll turn on worship music and go outside and work on my yard, you know, like that kind of stuff. I don't typically have the chance, I guess, to do that. Or I don't make the time because I don't feel like I have as much time to work with, you know? Yeah. So how many masks have you been through? <laughs> we live out in the country. So, uh, yeah, you see a, uh, too many, man. I got a pile, like, it's disgusting. <laughs> um, and I also don't know which ones, I don't even know which ones are mine anymore. You know, it's like, you recognize your wife's because there's like makeup and like right. lipstick and like right. stuff on the outside, but. Have you, have you tried, <laughs> I know this is random. Have you tried the uh, like upgraded ones that you see like in your Instagram, like promotions, or are you like the, uh, <laughs> The disposable guy. <laughs> oh, dude, I, am the, I am not spending a single dollar on COVID. That's me. I'm like, <laughs> I am not, like, I'm not investing in a custom mask. I'm not getting a smile put up. Like, just, I will use it wherever I absolutely have to use it. But I'm definitely the guy that, like, walks into AT&T and everybody goes, <gasps> and I'm like, oh, no, sorry. I'll go back to the truck and grab my mask. Sorry. Right. We live... Um, we live further out, like kind of in the countryside, like the rural kind of parts of Tennessee. So I am um, thankfully like we, we, um, you know, and I hope I don't offend anybody out there, whatever, but we just, 
a lot of places like it's not required in our area and so um so yeah i don't always even have to have a mask on thankfully where i live but uh i definitely also i'm trying to be kind of smart and 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 wise in that regard because i'm in a band and because i have bandmates who want to you know we want to get back out on the road and do that sort of thing so you definitely are leaning into the side of caution and wisdom in that regard so i do i keep trying i'm trying to convince my wife to let me do like the full scuba helmet type of thing i've seen a handful of people wear but i don't (laughs) think we're going to get there what a world we're in who'd have thought (laughs) i just saw like i just saw some kind of meme or picture where it was like this like up the nostrils shot of this old man that had like crazy nose hair yeah it's like we don't need a mask if your nose hair looks like this man i mean that's going to be me at some point yeah well, was speaking to me, man, because I was just having a conversation with my buddy about nose hair. We're like reaching that age, you know? <laughs> That's funny. Um, you, you said like you, you've referenced your church a little bit. Could you speak a little bit to how, you know, what, what's your relationship at the church and where does songwriting and like, does any of that play in there or do you just attend or do you worship lead there? It's always interesting to hear kind of what that balance is between like an artist and, and their church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I came from Nevada where, you know, we didn't have enough people in one church to put together a full worship team. Yeah. So when I say like our band started, you know, for that night of worship, we had five different churches represented on the worship team that we put together because we reached out to other churches to, to form a team. So coming from a place where it was, we were desperate to find people that were worship leaders or, you know, played a, played an instrument so we can plug them in. Um, now I live in Nashville, uh, you know, and, and my church is, I go to the belonging, um, which, you know, they have records out and yeah. there's, you know, if you've listened through the record, you know, it's like, Who's the the one, what's that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> It's like one celebrity, you know, Christian uh, music superstar after the next. It's sure. uh, whatever you call them. But uh, Natalie Grant and Danny Goki and Lauren Daigle was there and um, Carrie Job and Cody Carnes. And so they're, they got it covered, man. They, they, they do not need me, um, which is a beautiful thing, man, because I just sit in the back and just cry because um, I love our church. We travel uh, over an hour one way to get to church um, as a family and we love it we just love uh we love all of those worship leaders there and love our pastors and the way that they lead and the way that they don't make a thing out of sure all the artists that go to our church and um but yeah there's a lot of a, a lot of uh people in the in the industry that are out there serving in the like i sit i serve in the kids department so i'm just however i can you know whatever i got to do i set up stuff and whatever hang out with the kids um there's people putting cones out in the parking lot and doing that sort of thing and so it's cool to be in the industry you know as a signed musician or whatever but to not be you know to not be forced into leading worship or doing something musical in church you can serve in other capacities and uh, I just think that that's really healthy for, for all of us. Sure. That's really neat. We, we just, Chris and I had interviewed uh, Hope Darst last week. 
and like we keep talking yeah. to like ton, tons of belonging people. Uh, my brother's actually the creative uh, pastor over there, which is super funny. What? But yeah, yeah, Sean. So you say he look for the guy that's that looks. Amazing. Yeah, look for the guy that looks basically exactly like me walking around, and that's yeah. that's Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's such a such a cool church. I'd love to like. I, I'm genuinely because like I've experienced it. Chris has experienced it. What we keep hearing when people talk about going to the belonging, and I guess this is just becoming like a belonging plug too. But like. What do you think it is about that church that makes people cry uh, when they go to service? Because that's just like a regular thing that people seem to say about services there. And so maybe let, let's let's unpack that a little bit and maybe try to see if we can't help other people get that going at their church. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, it just sounded funny just the way that you ended that. How can right. we it's like, how can we make everybody cry? <laughs> this, this is what yeah. the people need. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Gosh, I just love the fact that our pastors just say, like, let's stay away from the formula, you know, like, let's, let's not try and make an equation out of it, because that's what we always, as Christians, a lot of times we do. Um, it's just, let's make space for the spirit to, to move and to work and to do what he wants to do. And I, I think that it's incredible that there's this beautiful combination of really intentional, creative, uh, talented, hardworking individuals that are pouring their hearts into their craft, whatever their thing is for that day. Um, but then there's also intentional space made um, for God to do what he's going to do in the moment. Yeah. And that's a regular thing. It's not, and it's not, I've been part, to, part of, of, of churches and or even services where it's kind of said that that's the case, but it's like, but we have, you know, this amount of space, or it's still just very kind of formulated. Yeah. And I just feel like a lot of times at our church, we just end up derailing and, hey, I just feel right now like God is in this thing or God is speaking through this lyric or this sort of thing. And so we're going to like, come on up if you need prayer and let's do it. You know, it's yeah. not like, oh, let's get on our prayer list so we can plug in with, to email or something. It's like, no, let's lay hands like the Bible says and let's pray and right. let's go after it. Um, and there's just, for me, I'm usually crying before we even get to that part. So <laughs> for me, it's just presence. It's just presence, man. Yeah. It's just like, there's always scripture spoken. There's always uh, kind of a, prophetic word like there's there's words that are just delivered in worship and people really trying to be in tune with what god is doing in the moment sure and so that's i think where it starts yeah i mean you, you touched on something really cool too like people that are in tune with what god is doing and, and i can only assume you're doing the best you can we're all as best as we can trying to have like a relationship with god on a day-to-day -day. and i think um, I know me personally, my corporate worship experiences on the weekend are generally only as strong as it's been in my personal relationship throughout the week. So could you maybe speak to how you're, how you're trying to maintain or kind of grow personally with God? Like what's he been teaching you? What's your daily devotion yeah. or whatever, whatever, what's your rhythm look like? Yeah, man, that's, that's so good. I was just, uh, actually, we were just doing, I was doing kind of some devotions that we had, you know, that were tied to the record 
the last few days, but one of the things I was sharing was nobody's responsible for your relationship with God, yeah. but you. Nobody is responsible for the depth or the level that you are going to take your relationship with God, but you. Um, and I just think that's really important to just start there because you can add to that just like, you know, if you're talking about your health or your things like that, it's like, you got to start with your own responsibility. You got to go after it yourself. You got to get your thing going. And then if you have supplements or whatever on top of that, whether it's turning on Mr. YouTube, who's telling you, you know, what workout to do or uh, speaking to me, speaking to you in, in a certain kind of way or you're taking vitamins or whatever it may be, that's on top of it. And that is only going to make it better. But your walk with the Lord definitely has got to begin with you. And for me, um, that is, I am more of a morning person when it comes to that. Um, and then my wife and I also, uh, our only time it feels like just solo uh, is after we put the kids to bed. So that's like our time in the evening uh, to just lean in like, and talk about that as a couple. Like uh, my wife is incredible in that way too. And she, so we go through kind of like a book of the Bible together and pray together. Um, I think it's also, you know, I would encourage people if you're not already, pray with your kids. That's one thing that I, um, I think has been profound for us at our church is just the level of active faith that our children are walking in. Like it's real for them, you know, whereas like previously they might cry when we turned down the road to go to church. Now it's like they're pumped about church, not only because they have friends and fellowship, but like their, their faith is like being put into practice. So like they come home and pray with your kids, you know, like they have prayer requests, they store those things up. And it's so cool to be able to see God answer the prayers. Um, in fact, I feel like God answers more prayers that my son prays than he does that I pray. But um, <laughs> it's just cool to, uh, to have that time, I think, spiritually as well um, for me. So, and then also, you know, again, I, I love just having worship music going just in the background of my life. So if I'm out mowing the lawn, that's what I'm doing. If I'm out working on the yard, I got worship music in my ear, in my ears. So I love doing that as well. How did you um, get into music in the first place, like growing up? Uh, totally like on a whim, like my kids or my, uh, my friends, I was in youth group. Uh, I love sports all grown up, like play every sport possible. Um, and we would turn up to youth group to play basketball together. Nobody was on the court uh, this one particular day. And so I go inside and everybody was, had grabbed a guitar and our youth pastor was starting guitar lessons. And so um, that was, they had an extra guitar for me to play. And so I picked up a guitar. We played the song um, Holiness. I don't know if you guys remember that take my heart and form it, take my yeah, mind, man. transform it. Like <laughs> old school. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I took that eight and a half by 11 sheet of chords home with me and a couple worship songs that implemented those chords. And that was like the beginning of guitar for me. And I had previously played drums and that was kind of my first instrument in school. 
you know, I was in band as a percussionist. Uh, they never let us call ourselves drummers. They always said you had to call yourself a percussionist. So I did jazz band, marching band, orchestra, uh, all of that. And that was really good for me, just rhythmically speaking, I think, and learning how to read music and that kind of thing. Um, but picking up a guitar was awesome because it taught me how to, you know, it opened the door for me to use my voice to start singing and to start writing music. And uh, I never did that until I picked up a guitar. So um, yeah, that was how I got into it though, just leading worship in the church and that sort of thing. What's your, um, we haven't really talked about this on the podcast in a while, but we used to get super into like gear. I'm like, what's your, what's, you know, pre-COVID, yeah. what was your, like, what's your rig like? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely like a minimalist. Um, I might have like a verb, you know, but I've just played, we're, we're an acoustic band for one. So I'd have my, it's all about the guitar for me. Um, I kind of my workhorse is I play a Collings OM1G. Okay. Um, it's a walnut back inside. Like the whole thing is pretty much walnut spruce and I love it. It's just like super resonant, um, very balanced and the the callings OMs are just like have this projection that is I think beats every other OM. Yeah. But I love OMs to play on the road. Um I also take a Santa Cruz. Um I have a uh the um advanced jumbo and uh that's kind of like the I feel like the complement sound wise to the OM. So anything the OM can't do or isn't doing I jump on the Santa Cruz for more like kind of finger picking or like more of a mellow or like bigger, more well-bodied sound. So, um, yeah. And then I just push those through, uh, the LR bags venue and that pretty much does everything I need it to do. Like EQ boost. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Man. Are I you might throw like a looper down for, um, this new record, you know, I'm still kind of putting together a rig for that, but um, might throw a couple more things on there. But yeah, I just pretty much just have a my my LR bags venue, my Polytune Mini, the and I'm good to go. Are you ever worried about those two? I mean, those are pretty <laughs> pretty nice boutique guitars. You can't really just go to Guitar Center and grab. Like, are you worried about bringing those on the road? Like. Like, are you oh, man. Like humidif humidifiers and all that stuff? <laughs> I do, I do have a, um, you know, I do keep a humidifier in them, but um, I am not the guy who like, I just, like I said, they're workhorses. I think they're amazing guitars, but I'm going to make them work. Like I, I don't want to, I'm not real nice to them. So, um, and you know, what's really funny is the worst story that I have for a guitar was not on the road or not getting damaged on the road. It was actually my luthier, my guitar luthier at a vintage guitar store in Nashville stepped through the, the front of my guitar. Um, I took him in to get all my guitars serviced and he put my very expensive, nice Collings OM guitar on the ground and then started looking at our ganjo guitar and then forgot that he did that 
went to walk around the corner and I watched his foot, his boot go through the face of my guitar. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like, what do I do right now? So I, I literally could not speak in that moment. I sat down on an amp that was like in the hallway and I was like lightheaded. And I was like, uh, he was like, oh no. And the first thing that he said was, that's why we don't put guitars on the floor. And I was like, dude, <laughs> you did that. You did that. But I was like, I, I need to take a walk. I literally just said, I need to take a walk. And I walked to the other side of the store, like called my manager. I didn't know what to do, man. It was crazy. So anyway, all that to say, your guitars might be in worse, like you never know where it's gonna happen, but I did not expect my guitars to be destroyed at the Luthier. Wow, um, what, which shop was this? Wait, wait what? <laughs> which shop was this? Uh, this was the Callings. I mean, like, was oh, it which, Carter's or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you said top. The shop uh, was, man, I feel bad for say, calling him up. No, I was going to say. I'm, okay, <laughs> I'm going to, I'll say the name, but then I'll finish the story. Okay. So it was at Carter, it was at Carter Vintage Guitars. And <laughs> That's what I was picturing in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, okay, I, I, I did have a little bad experience with that particular luthier. Would I go back to him? Yes, I would. He's incredible. He had a he had a moment. It was a terrible moment. Uh, but then the the owner of Carter Vintage Guitars was there, and he came out and totally made it right. They actually uh, rebuilt the guitar, like had Callings create a new one for me. Um, so basically, what I had to do was I just let them keep my old one. They built me a new one to spec. And it was kind of cool because I, ha I also got to kind of customize it because I was having it made for me. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it was it was heartbreaking. I mean, to be honest, I feel like the sound of my old one was better than, you know, the new one. But I'm not going to complain. It's still a great guitar. Um, you know, I got a brand new one. So it was like all the mileage on my old one. I got to that was that was a wash. So. Yeah, it was crazy though. It still hurts. <laughs> it's great. Our face is hot. I was talking about really imagining Carter's inside. <laughs> yeah. There's so much stuff everywhere. <laughs> Thanks for being a part of this episode. Make sure to head over to Instagram and shoot us a DM. We would love to connect with you over there.